Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Knights of Ren. It's Allie. And Maria. And today we are back to talk about The Mandalorian. Today we will be discussing Chapter 13 of The Mandalorian titled The Jedi. Hey! <laughs> but before we get into The Mandalorian and our many, 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 many thoughts, as many people have probably seen on Twitter, this episode is very heavy on perspective and thoughts. And before we get into that, <laughs> we are going to do our segment to counteract Gina Carano. And I know the stuff with Rosario is yes. still allegation, allegatory, yes. but it's still important to acknowledge that because it's still a thing. And no matter if it's allegations or not, it still affects that audience. So both cases in this time especially we're going to acknowledge um the fact that we're doing a segment to counteract their behaviors trans rights or human rights this is the way the fundraiser is still open that link to that fundraiser will be in both our episode notes as well as linked with the tweet and then other than that as i was saying earlier no matter if their behaviors are allegatory or not um it's still it's so impactful to that audience, like the, the harmful nature of it, that we really wanted to give our listeners a platform to share their thoughts and feelings. So if you still want to, and you just haven't worked up the courage, or if you haven't listened to the podcast until today, we are in, in the segment allowing people the opportunity for our LGBTQ listeners to share what Star Wars means to them, what changes they possibly want to see, or just anything they feel about like what's been going on. Yes, and if you can share or donate, we would appreciate any information that you would like to add to um, help support the LGBTQ community in our fandom. If you have stories that you would like to um, include or how you feel about our fandom, how Star Wars has affected you, we'd love to hear it. You can email the show or DM Allie or DM me with your story. And we would love to include that in our podcast. Or if you can donate to the trans rights donation that we have attached, we would appreciate that. And other than that, I just really want to stress that because I've seen a lot of people, there's been a, a lot of the divisiveness has not just been about the episode itself, but it's also been around um, Rosario and all of the alleg allegatory stuff. And I've seen a lot of people bring up both the character to person separation as well as the fact that they're allegations. But I just want to stress here, no matter if they're allegations or not, we especially personally know several people who like this really affects very strongly. Yes. And in itself, it's still important to acknowledge the fact that it exists and that there, there's, it's still important to acknowledge because it affects people. And as a company, Star Wars should still take action, whether it's allegations or not, because the people that should be representing them and that should be in the industry should be people who in no way are associated with such actions that could be so harmful to yes. um, any part of the community. And Star Wars is supposed to be for everyone. Yeah. And if actors are making the audience have to separate themselves from Star Wars because of their actions, then that's where issues arise in the fandom and people aren't included. And right now we have a really large portion of our fandom that aren't included because of Gina and Rosario, and we want to support them because they're our friends, they're our family members, and we want to make sure that everyone is truly included in Star Wars. So we're doing our part, and we would love it if you could do yours too. Yes. Without further ado, 
let us get into The Mandalorian. So, (laughs) today's episode is going to be very interesting, I feel like. If you have not been on Twitter for some reason, or if you're just an outsider (laughs) listener, this episode has actually been quite divisive, despite what a lot of people could think. You know, this entire season of The Mandalorian has been been divisive. (laughs) Honestly, everything since Tross has been divisive. I mean, it really has. (laughs) Anyway, so I want to kind of pre-ref the fact that both of us are going to have critiques. Yes. Both of us had points we enjoyed. Yes. I feel like I enjoyed the episode more than Maria did, but I yes. still have critiques myself. And um, and not, not that I, I didn't, I mean, I, okay, we'll get there. Okay. Yeah, we'll get there. No, <laughs> the important thing I want to stress, I want to say the same thing I said in my Tross breakdown. I might even like throw in a clip from that because I probably said it better there, but like no matter how you felt about this episode like whether you loved it whether you hated it whether you're in like the middle like and you aren't sure how you feel about it honestly I'm still not I still need to process my critiques a bit more and to realize exactly where I stand but no matter how you feel about it we are not trying to shoot down the ways you feel yeah feel however you want to feel you're just here to analyze the content that we've been provided to shoot our feelings on the episode and to just figure out where Star Wars is going to go from here because that's been a big like theme I guess you could honestly call it in our latest podcast episodes yeah our discussion around where Star Wars is going and like especially like where this series specifically is going yes we're um, looking for that trajectory so I just really wanted to share that to start with we are literally not here trying to tell you how to feel mm-hmm. we're just here to enjoy it don't enjoy it touch on both perspectives because I personally have people in my family who have shared other perspectives on this episode with me um, especially on some things I critiques on. So I, I want to acknowledge both perspectives with that because I think that's important because people can view content many different ways and as viewers can dissect it many different ways. And it's important. Exactly. Yeah. And I, 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 w- I was going to say, um, and, and what you just said right now, Allie, how, how people dissect and digest content is, is important. I really, really examine my shows so for me i mean i will look at the past the present and the future and and look at the multi layers and how it all works together some people like to leave it surface level and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that and i would never ever want to make somebody that wants to just watch something and just watch it and then go feel bad if that's what they want to do bravo that's great there is absolutely nothing wrong with that i just view things differently and that's just how i do it and everyone's allowed to enjoy it however they do Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of life (laughs) (laughs) yes and i know this episode's been hard like everyone saw on twitter for me too i literally almost (laughs) I pretty much had a breakdown on Friday because I know that divisiveness can be very hard on people. Mm-hmm. It was for me especially. And I know that it can be challenging when you feel a certain way about something or just you want to share the way you feel about something. And there are people out there who question that or who in more extreme cases attack that. Yeah. And I know what that's like, especially. And I just want to stress that I know how hard this can be, especially if you're someone who loved it or who felt like who was on one of the extremes who really loved it or really hated it to have to deal with other perspectives in ways. I know how that can be hard at times, but it also is just so important 
important to remember that all our feelings are valid in a way. Mm -hmm. Not just a way. In general, all our feelings are valid. And like, I just want you to know that I care and I'm here to listen. I've, like I said earlier, I've listened to both perspectives. So if you want to talk, I'm here to talk. I was very grateful for people who reached out to me on Friday and it really helped me process. Yeah. <laughs> so to the start of this discussion, I actually have a question I want to ask you because I've seen hmm. this floating around a bit. So some people have been questioning whether this takes place before the Star Wars Rebels epilogue or after it? And after. I was wondering what you think about that. After. After, yeah. Much after. Because <laughs> I've seen I, some people I, Kind say, of what you and I had talked about before. Yeah. I think that Sabine and Ahsoka somehow had to split in their search for Ezra. Oh, boy. yes. Everyone, so everyone that's, knows that's how much I love Sabine. Assumption. I was freaking out on, <laughs> on that night. So I'm like, where's Sabine? I wanted them to be a team. And I'll, I'll get into this later, obviously. But like, I think that's the case too for me as well. Like, yeah. I've seen some people argue that even though Sabine is narrating about the end of the war in the epilogue, mm-hmm. that the epilogue could still take place much further down the line. But I personally still think this is afterwards especially as we'll touch on later with the inclusion of Thrawn because as much as Ahsoka could have been searching for Thrawn prior I would have felt a bit awkward the fact that she picks up Sabine later (laughs) no that doesn't make yeah she didn't even well I mean I I, she possibly could have known about Thrawn no that would have been hard because we don't really know where Ahsoka was exactly yeah we're gonna get a lot into that later too Mustafar yeah, we're going to go a lot into that later, too. I mean, Malachor. I think a big thing that circulates a lot of my thoughts on this episode is the fact that we don't know what's happened to Ahsoka, like, from Twilight the Apprentice until now. Because, like, obviously we get the whole world yeah. world thing, but, like, it's, like, we don't quite... That episode was just one episode. We don't really know, like, what's happened. And so that's a big thing that circulates a lot of my thoughts. But I think, personally... It takes place afterwards, yeah. and it's just a matter of what takes place in the middle that we have yet to understand. Yeah. So what did you think of the opening of the episode, Allie? So a lot of this ties back to what you were saying about, like, surface level. Mm-hmm. Because I really enjoyed the action scenes. Yes. Like, the action I scenes loved, were fabulous. I love the action scenes. But mm-hmm. I also, I, I think re-watching it I understood what you were saying about the way that like an audience say oh look it's Ahsoka with her lightsaber she's here oh my god my heart's pounding mm-hmm. I, I understand that perspective a bit more now and I also once we get into her characterization I think out of it's weird for me to say this because you would think the attachment thing would be the thing that's get, getting at me but I feel like her characterization in this moment is the one that threw me the most mm. honestly when she was fighting the um, yeah both that and her interaction with morgan afterwards mm-hmm. i just i know she's on this mission to find thrawn and i know that's like very much where she is at this point in time but to me it felt the most stiff and the most cold like i was talking to molly as the episode was airing and we were talking about both how rosario's acting both felt stiff and yeah. for the fact that like we both agree that her voice needed to be like higher in a way. Yes, we're just so used to Ashley that it's just, it felt a bit off. And I think 
just like I know Ahsoka can't protect every life. Like I know when they're like, oh, we're going to hang these prisoners and torture them. Like I know she Mm -hmm. can't protect everyone, but I just felt like with what we've gotten with Ahsoka in the past, how tied she was to this mission and waiting like a day before she takes action, it still felt strange to me, especially because she didn't know Din was going to come. Like, yeah, wait a day specifically. Like she's never per se, been willing to put lives at risk that much before, mm-hmm. I'd say. And like we were saying earlier, we don't know what's happened to Ahsoka. And this honestly is my biggest critique around everything with Ahsoka in this episode. I've been worried about the inclusion of Ahsoka. Everyone knows me, knows I've been worried about the inclusion of Ahsoka for a very long time. I've been voicing it since Maria and I were talking about like the trailer back in August yeah. or whatever. I was worried because we have that chunk where we don't know what happens to her. We don't know what her, she goes through with Sabine. And she's gone through, as I'll get into later, she's gone through this kind of traumatic experience with Vader and this realization and processing that. And by jumping where I feel like we're jumping, we're missing a lot of that processing to the point where even if someone could argue that she's acting more on the mission and cold and straight to the point here is because she's gone through that, I still feel like as an audience, it feels off because we haven't gotten that. So I don't know whether that's the fact or whether the characterization was off is what I'm saying. I'm not quite yeah. sure what that was. <laughs> I'm, I, I mean, I, I felt that way through the entire episode with Ahsoka. And I've always, I, I've never, I never wanted Ahsoka to be live action. <laughs> yeah. I made it very clear that I wanted my animated characters to remain animated only in the sense that I'm worried that we're losing aspects of their story when they come to live action and story plots might also change because of that too. Mm -hmm. And that's my concern. So Ahsoka being in this, yes. And I I would say definitely there was an issue with her acting that it was stoic Mm-hmm. And I, I was hoping that because Ahsoka has a lightness to her yeah. that we would see. And, yeah. and I know a lot of people said to me that we don't understand what yep. has occurred. Ahsoka, and I, I know that that was a big <laughs> point that people were yeah. using to defend the change in Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree. I mean, we have Luke. On Octo, yes. And of course, people change, circumstances change. However, the last major speech we have of Ahsoka is her telling Ezra to let go. And Mm -hmm. it's so, I mean, that that speech is like burned into my heart Mm -hmm. because of how important it is. And that is the impetus of Ezra to take a, a major step forward in letting go and, and doing the thing that he has set out to do from the beginning of Rebels, which is to save Lothal, for, yeah. to save his people. And part of that is by letting go. I, I'm confused as to why like, she's not able to do that when she's given him that advice and has had more time to let go and also because vader redeemed himself Mm. he became anakin again he wasn't bad so for me if i i don't know if i were in her shoes maybe i would actually feel kind of good because 
he died Anakin and not Vader. He chose good and not evil. I would Yes, yeah, that's I, weird. One thing this episode, this episode makes it seem like she doesn't really know that. And Maria and I are going to get into that more later. But it, it seems like things in the galaxy aren't being fully acknowledged. We were going to get into that around the Jedi later. But she, but she also, knows that, that the Empire fell and that Vader is gone. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So that, that to me, like, I, if I were in her shoes, like, she could, she could truly let that go. Because, yeah. and, and possibly, heck. She could even have conversations with him because he is a force ghost. I don't know. And one one thing you brought up, um, I thought it's interesting that you mentioned that conversation because we talked about that too. Maria and I talked about the episode a couple of days ago too. Mm-hmm. And I think like it's important that you brought that up because I feel like that's a way that it makes it feel off. It, it's completely Maloney, off to me in that. Loney chose to have that arc like it helped Ezra like you were saying but he chose to have Ahsoka be the one to teach that lesson and obviously in that moment it makes sense because she just experienced this and she even like says I can't save my you can't save your master and I can't save mine like she clearly knows where she's coming from in that moment but when we translate into this episode it makes it feel like a step backwards yes because that like understanding and obviously like people deal with trauma in different ways so maybe after that episode it hit her harder but then like you just said all of this has happened and we're to the point where anakin did redeem himself yes so it, and it, she it's knows he's off. gone because i don't she know have that <laughs> connection to her master like she would probably feel actually i i wonder when anakin became anakin again in <laughs> empire strikes back or i'm sorry return of the jedi <laughs> When, when yeah. he became Anakin again in Return of the Jedi, that yeah. I wonder if Ahsoka was able to feel him mm-hmm. and connect with Anakin again yeah, and feel that connection. Oh, gosh, that hurts my heart to think about. Oh. But, but, then, but then she would know he's there. That's what I was saying. Yeah, that's I, what I was I, just saying. I'm like, we're going to get into that later, but it feels like there's parts of the galaxy and like events that occurred that aren't being fully like wrapped around in this series per se. Mm -hmm. And I also, I've heard some people say the fact that like, obviously Ahsoka is not going to like give Din her entire sob story and tell him everything that's ever happened to her. Absolutely. But to a point, there's still these things have happened. And like you were saying, this speech with Ezra happened. Mm -hmm. And so it's still in itself makes the characterization in this episode feel just a bit off. So yes, while I enjoyed the action in the beginning, and yes. I thought the beginning was nice, I personally felt for that moment itself felt off for me. Yes, because that's I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's not typical. the The action and the visualization of it was amazing. It was spectacular. I also love that you could hear Morai in that. Like you immediately yes. get that like familiar noise, and I was like, yes, yes, and hearing Ahsoka's theme, yes. like, but, like slightly tweaked to it. I, I really enjoyed that. No, the music, honestly, is my favorite yes. part of this episode. Like, it's so good. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed, the things I enjoyed the most were the music and definitely the visualization. There there were some very important visuals that we got mm-hmm. that I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Like Morai and the Loath Cats and other and other. Yeah, things. and then glancing at my notes, I just remembered one more thing about what we were just talking about. I mentioned earlier, and I'm how I'd get into it more later about. I don't. I think I said it before we started recording, but about how 
the way that Ahsoka is viewed in this episode is through Din's perspective. The yes. Mandalorian, a lot of people have been saying this, Mandalorian is through Din's perspective, but this thing we get with Ahsoka is before Din's in the picture, this first encounter. And I think that's yes. a big reason why I can't really rationale it all with this one okay. because of that, honestly. Oh, I think that's a big because, because, because he wasn't involved in his perspective there. Got it. So, <laughs> I don't know. It is hard when you do switch perspectives in or narrations mm-hmm. in, in essence in um in a, a series. That is hard because then it becomes tricky. Which which one are we focusing on? Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this like the first full time it's not That's from what his I'm trying to think of too. I think, I think it is. I think like, he's in almost every He's in, like, yeah. every scene. Or at least to some point we've seen him already in the episode. Or, like, like, like Cobb Vanth, like, when he was telling his story. Yeah. It, he, but he narrated it. Yeah, he's narrating it but to still, Mando. So Mando's still he's narrating it to Mando. So, so he, exactly. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's probably that's the so only accurate. thing. But, but it's always filtered through what Mando's hearing from exactly. that specific person. Yeah. Not him completely out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I know because you said that a lot of people had felt that this felt like its own movie, that it wasn't <laughs> part of the Mandalorian because, and maybe that was part of it. A lot of people have also been calling this like Ahsoka's episode and God, that annoys me to no end because like I still on that whole train where I'm like the Mandalorian should be allowed, like the characters and like, yes, other characters can come in and affect their stories, but I don't like that people are calling it the Ahsoka episode. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that really does a disservice to any growth that maybe Yoda and Din get in this episode. That's true. Um, and there, there is quite a bit. And I, yeah. I, again, here, that's another positive for the episode. There is growth yes. to the characters. Yes. yes. Should, we, should we say his proper name? <laughs> we'll get to that. I, let, let's call Baby Yoda while we can. Let's take some time. Okay. Baby Yoda and Mando land on Corvus after we find out that Ahsoka has beef with the magistrates and her head guard and who are clearly holding all these citizens under her thumb and, and treating them horribly, killing them and enslaving them. Ahsoka, we're hoping, I guess, will set these people free. Hopefully. I don't know, because we don't, we don't have a complete story. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> We see that, that they are not treated well, yeah. but we don't get to see the full extent of how mm-hmm. they're not treated well by the magistrate and her guards. Yeah, and I think Star Wars Explained also brought that up, the fact that like it's hard to feel a level of stakes to yes. the ending because we haven't fully seen a ton from the like the townspeople, whatever you want to yes. call them. Um, yeah, towns, yeah, I would say townspeople, yeah. Townspeople. Yeah. I don't know, is it a town? Is it a village? I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> it's interchangeable. No. But about this opening scene, I love how immediately they bring back the whole ball thing, because that's a big thing in this episode, yes. when it's in Baby Yoda's relationship, is the whole ball thing from season one, because that's, it's such a huge part of the relationship, because in the sin that is what motivates din to go back for baby yoda so i just love how immediately they bring that into focus like there's even a shot i love where it like blurs out the rest of the frame and it just focuses on the ball and i'm just like oh yeah this is so good i love that (laughs) and we get to see baby yoda use the force to get the ball that din told him not to get and i i will interject right here 
that's bad parenting on Dan's part because he's he's telling him at one point to play with the ball and then he's telling him he can't play with the ball. Dan, oh. you have to be consistent with your parenting. Sorry, oh he doesn't God. know he's a new parent. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, he's a new parent. Like, it's fine. I mean, it's all, these are things he has to learn. That's all. <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> yeah. So I personally, for me, as a parent, I don't think I would have been hard and I probably would have given him the ball because I had previously given him the ball. I'm just true, saying. true. <laughs> you can't expect Baby Yoda to not be upset and not try and get the ball. Yeah. All I'm saying. But uh, mm. I really and, – and he does get the ball, of course, because he of uses course. the force, which is, which is good. That's good. We can see him use the force. Another clear instance of him using the force, which is important in this episode. <laughs> yeah, and also the ball comes to be very important in the episode, so it's good yes. that he brought it along. <laughs> yes. And I was worried when Mando and Baby Yoda left the ship. I'm like, how is Mando going to find Ahsoka? Yeah. But I was worried. I'm like, he's going he's gonna to step into it right now. He's going to say something <laughs> thought it would be immediate. <laughs> I seriously did. I'm like, he's going to say something stupid. He's going to be like, where's the Jedi? They're gonna be where's like, the Jedi? She's yeah, like- that's it. <laughs> Um, that's what I seriously thought he was gonna do. Oh my god! No. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh! When we got off the ship, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have problems right now. We're gonna have problems right now. Oh my god! Right now, but I am so happy that he held his cover and used his reputation. Yeah, yeah. No, no. no I like that. I like the fact that he's like, oh I, yeah, I'm still with the guild. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Business. I love how he's just like, my price is high. My price is high. <laughs> Well, and, and they look at him and they have a Jedi and they have a man, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. Obviously. Well, so the magistrate and the head guards, you know, they, they have a, a Mandalorian walk up and say, hey, uh, I need some work. They have a Jedi. That's a problem. You know, put two and two together, of course. Yeah, I think this is an interesting point with the history. Like, they know Mandalorians are warriors because, like, everyone knows that. But I also acknowledge the war between the Jedi and Mandalorians in this the magistrate did say to him that when she offered him the spear of Beskar mm-hmm. or Beskar spear, <laughs> she, you could say it either. Um, yeah. The spear of Beskar sounds better though. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. Cool. When, when she offered that to him, she did say that, it, she said, oh, I can pay you this. She did say that the to entice him more that the Jedi are the enemies of the Mandalorians. Mm, she did yeah. she did bring that up, but that was the extent of it. So yeah, exactly that's what I mean. That, that's it. So that's pretty broad right there. Because <laughs> like Din still very has a very general perspective per se. Like especially coming into this, he still doesn't really understand a ton. He's only gotten like that and what the armorer told him. Um, and kind of what Bo-Katan told him. Bo-Katan didn't tell him a ton, obviously, but uh, so, she did not. I also, <laughs> so I liked this weapon. We're going to get into yes. it later, but because A, we've gotten information in the past about how the uh, Mandalorians created weapons to combat the abilities of the Jedi, so I love yes. seeing a weapon that actually, like, shows that specifically, because, mm-hmm. like, we've seen, like, the gauntlet with, like, all the different things that Sabine had to combat Ezra's ability, but I liked, like, a weapon like this, where it was, like, it's not just a little gadget, it's actually, mm-hmm. like, a full-force weapon. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. usable. Usable. And, and, and semi-indestructible. I'm, I'm sure if they, like, took a a saber to it because I and that was something I need to look up in the Clone Wars I didn't realize that their best scar in the Clone Wars was that impervious to the lightsaber but 
I don't know. Maybe I'm not recalling that detail. Oh, God. Do they? No, I don't think I, it ever happens to Beskar. I think it happens to other armor, but... I just don't remember the lightsaber. I, I remember the lightsaber having the same effects on Beskar mm. as it does on the stormtroopers. Um, but that's that's my memory. I can't... I am not positive. <laughs> I but I, I just... I like to see that. And I also... I, I thought it was interesting to have even more Beskar. Beskar is obviously just a big, like, circulating, like, what's the right word? Emblem, like, uh, symboli- symbolistic, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, um, in, in the mm-hmm. show for Mandalorian culture and society. And I, I, I liked that that's brought up again. I liked, obviously, this is jumping ahead a bit, but I like that he ends up with it in the end. <laughs> so, yeah. And one one thing that I was slightly confused about too okay we have ahsoka Mm -hmm. who's a problem okay well if ahsoka is a problem to them and they're needing jedi blood i mean you know could could they they could use ahsoka couldn't they use ahsoka instead of baby yoda for like their plans yeah so i'm my assumption is it's because a baby Yoda is young and as we'll get into later has been hiding his abilities. So he's less of a threat and B he probably has a higher midichlorian. Count. Yeah. And I, I understand that, but, but I'm just, they don't know what Ahsoka's midichlorian. I know. Is. I'm like, she's an adult. I, I'm just saying I them all. like, I, I'm thinking like a Sith for a second. And if I were a yeah. Sith, I think I would just try and collect any and all Jedi I can, so that way I can make my clone Palpatine and my clone mm-hmm. Snokes. Yeah, I think that's so, what I saw someone ask on Twitter the other day, like wh- whether the Inquisitors are still around or whether they're still Inquisitors, because if there are, you would think there would be more of them in play at this time because well, not of just that, how they're trying they, to get force use, users i don't they know they could use ahsoka's i i'm sorry like i this sounds horrible because i love ahsoka <laughs> no, no. And I, I don't like saying this okay so if anyone's listening to this i'm not being callous and yeah, like, saying, let's use ahsoka's blood yeah. i'm just saying that if this blood were so important to create Palpatine or Snoke, whichever that we're creating at the moment. Yeah. If if this blood is so so important, wouldn't you be tracking down any Jedi that have any midichlorian? Because it sounds like they need a lot of blood. So <laughs> True. Saying, this is just a thought. That's no. All. That's why I think his midichlorian count must be honestly off the charts. Because when Doctor Pershing's talking about it, he doesn't say we need more Force users or we need more like midichlorian blood. He's like we need access to the donor again. Like we need access to Baby Yoda again. So Baby mm-hmm. Yoda is like clearly very special. I don't know. <laughs> Which kind of slightly is interesting and has implications in this episode too, because in the un- end of the episode, it's we're kind of left to feel like he should let his abilities pass. Yeah, he has such a high midichlorian count. Wow. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Mando goes on his quest, or they think he is. He's more so just oh, yeah. trying to track Ahsoka. <laughs> yes. Um, and he's walking around trying to find her. 
he sets baby Yoda down in the open. He's like, sit here, I'll go check it out. And I'm like, that is not the best idea. I'm sorry. But, I was like, surprised that he did that the for Jedi, a Like, that they're going to murder you if they get the chance. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, he put baby Yoda down. I was, yeah, he put I, baby I had Yoda fear. Down. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> that was crazy. And he, I mean, he had found her footsteps like, and everything. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he sees the, I, I don't know, the creatures eating the trees off in the distance. And then, and then he's like, everything's fine. Oh, no, it's not fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> and then, boom, there's Ahsoka, of course. And it was just as like, chaotic as I was expecting. Like, I honestly, no matter how calm my comic made it look, I always expected this to be super chaotic. Yes. And it was. <laughs> it was very chaotic. Yes very chaotic <laughs> I, they i mean mando had his fire on her he tried to tie her up and we do see like the things. best car like he, her lightsaber does like hit the best yeah. car at a point and so i'm like there we go that's the point of that <laughs> i don't know like you're saying he uses a flamethrower and everything like for someone who like wants like obviously we know his perspective on the jedi but like for someone who wants her like not harmed like that's a way to make friends <laughs> yeah i would i would probably try and shout I'm here from, from Bo or something. I thought he was, was going to immediately do Like, obviously, he does yeah. very quickly, but I was still like, wow, you're going to, like, fight her for a second? All right. Yeah. <laughs> and he does. He's able to communicate to Ahsoka after their quick little fight that he is there as a friend, not a foe, from Bo-Katan, and that they are – he's been looking for her, and – she sees Baby Yoda and says, is, "I hope it's is the reason why right there." She's like yeah. Baby Yoda, like she's probably thinking that honestly. <laughs> Baby yeah, Yoda. and and I was I was kind of wondering too. I and I don't know how this works, obviously yeah. with the Force, but like connecting. Yeah, wouldn't she have felt Baby Yoda's presence? Probably. Maybe she thought like Mando was like. Cap, cap, not captured, but like was like taken hostage. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I just was wondering that. I mean, we, we just saw it in the, in the holiday special about yeah. being mindful of your surroundings with Obi Wan and Anakin and and sensing Ray. I just would assume that she would have sensed him. Yeah, the, but that's her. what I was saying. Like, maybe she thought Mando, like, was capturing him. Like, maybe she sensed his presence and that's how she found Mando. Not just oh, okay. he was following her, but they were kind of following each other in a way, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who really knows? I don't know. So I just was wondering that. I would like to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would. I would. I would. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I had a note here. Let me see. She offers. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was, I went back too far. It's all good. Yeah. Oh. But I did like seeing um, Morai. Yep. Didn't we see Morai right before this? Yeah. Yes. yes. Like right before, <laughs> right before he finds her. Yeah, I liked the Morai and Loka. Like we actually get the we actually get the full shot of Morai yeah. up in the tree, which was cool, and to hear her, I thought that was really cool. I appreciated that a lot. And oh, really quick too about the scenery. I felt that this was very Mordor-esque mm. and I appreciate it, especially with the music and everything all together. It felt very Lord of the Rings and I loved seeing that. 
Yeah. And someone, I also seen a lot of people bring up um, the whole bossing say thing because of the way that like the place functions mm-hmm. a lot of the ways. And obviously just because Dave Filoni worked on that show. So of course yes. people are going to bring that up. <laughs> so, but I also like that comparison as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I saw so much of Mordor in there and, and um, yeah, I, I appreciated that. And we, we saw the death and destruction. And then mm-hmm. when we see baby Yoda and Ahsoka like, together the next day, it's in a green space. And I really liked that because we got to see the change in growth already in the environment from where, from where they, <laughs> from where they were before. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. If people hear your kids, it's going to be cute. It's going to be cute. <laughs> I just want some gold. I had sacks in the background last time. Like it's fine. <laughs> oh my God. I just want some goldfish. <laughs> oh, my children are like the hungriest kids ever. <laughs> just like baby Yoda. Oh no. Yes. Yeah, well, okay, Baby Yoda's stealing the cookies. That's yeah. how my kids are. They, there we go. They, my kids would not, I, but they wouldn't take anyone's food, especially other eggs. <laughs> exactly, there we go. <laughs> no, but as you were saying, I liked, like, the green of this episode, because I yes. think something the episode, this season especially, has been doing really well, is, like, its environments, like, we've got in, like, a water planet, we've got, yes. like, uh, an ice planet, we got, like, a desert, obviously, with Tatooine, so we, we've been getting, like, very varied, like, environments, and I like that, with, like, varying color schemes. So, like, but there's definitely meaning behind the fact that we have death and destruction when we see the magistrate. And then the second we see baby Yoda and Ahsoka together, now we have actual growth on what has died there. I applaud that and I saw it, I picked it up and I loved it. Wonderful. It's a wonderful addition there. Yeah. I, I really, I really appreciate that. And I think that's like, it's a sign that like they do acknowledge like even though they don't end up together in this episode or whatever like like in the end like they still acknowledge like the healing that comes in that connection and especially because in this connection as we're about to talk about like we do get to learn about like the way that baby Yoda has had a traumatic past just similar to Din and this is something I definitely like hope they get into more too um because no matter how much the like the show us don't tell us would have been nice um and like like some people have like argued that it's kind of um very like basic the way they just had Ahsoka throw it all out to us and obviously I feel like there's still more they could get into it like I was saying with especially in the ways that they both had traumatic pasts but like the fact that they come together in that and they're unpacking that and there's that step towards coming together and growing through that experience is definitely like that healing kind of representation so Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) And I, I, what did you think, Allie, of the telepathic conversation between Ahsoka and Baby Yoda before they have the actual test in the green space the next day? So as I was saying, I think, obviously, as a, I know some people have been like, it's kind of unfortunate that they just laid it out. But I think that's a way that I like, still like the fact that they kind of brought in the whole like, I, 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 something I think Caitlin and Charlotte brought up was, which was really interesting was the fact that, and usually when we see, like, mind reading in Star Wars, it's through, like, Kylo, or it's through, like, someone, or Maul, who's using it for, like, these very evil 
devious purposes. But in this show, I lo- I did love how we get a connection between these two characters where, like, she is seeing his thoughts, but it's through a very, like, healing and understanding perspective. Because obviously, Ahsoka's gone through a ton of stuff, too. So in that conversation exchange, she is understanding him on a level of healing and understanding through not like vicious attacking means or whatever like per se i guess yeah she was was trying to communicate i i liked it and i thought that we got to find out finally since baby yoda does not speak we were able to get his backstory from ahsoka so i i thought it was a an interesting way to get it i would have loved to have heard Baby Yoda say this maybe to Din or something at some point, but hey, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to his past, I want to quote one of my friends for this because I think this is an important thing to acknowledge. So my friend said they explained how the kid is strong in the Force by revealing he had training. Like no yes. one can just have it. We have to explain it every time. And Maria was talking a lot about how it seems in many ways they were trying to cater towards that audience a lot in this episode mm-hmm. like, by that audience i mean like more so the fandom menace people who uh, were very hard on ray and stuff is what i'm saying so it, it's unfortunate that that is the case now if that is yes. the case, that it seems like we can't just have someone like ezra anymore or ray per se it has to be someone who came with training and experience and i especially think it's unfortunate because while we do realize why baby Yoda struggles at points because of, as we'll get into, because he had this traumatic experience, yes. I still think that there could have been a way of doing that where it wasn't directly like he's been training for years and years and years, I guess, per se. I don't know. Yeah, don't it know sounds how to I feel me that it. he was training since birth. That's yeah. That's what it sounded like to me because she said he had multiple masters. Mm. Yeah. at the Jedi Temple. So So like I don't quite know how I feel about this scene because on that level it annoys me that like that's where we are and like it, with that force he's users. Had to have training. Yeah. But I also liked the fact well obviously it sounds weird to say this but I liked that we got this like depth to his character in a way about like yes. maybe like why the force has been like hard for him at points or why he's been not using it like every chance and also someone brought up the fact like him hiding in the marshal is like a lot more emotional now because Mm -hmm. the way he like hides and stuff it's just like and i i think like i was saying on the level of both him and din having a traumatic background gives them that extra layer of understanding in their relationship and so i like that aspect of it but i still feel like like i was saying like the whole force user thing like on that level it's upsetting that that's the case so I don't know quite how I feel about it (laughs) I I think it's interesting I thought it was interesting that they went back to Coruscant that he was in the temple Mm -hmm. I thought in my mind I thought Baby Yoda was going to have a much simpler backstory than Mm -hmm. he was at the temple that someone hid him and had the foresight to hide him at the temple Mm -hmm. then to rescue him 
and get him out and then he went into hiding and then know. obviously he yeah. ends up with like the pirates like marie and i were trying to figure that out the other day we're like how does he end up where we see him in like the season one episode so so obviously someone <laughs> and, and even though it sounds horrible that he had to be hidden and everything mm-hmm. obviously I, in my mind that person was doing it to protect him it's, yeah obviously because yeah. we have moff gideon that's looking <laughs> For him and his blood, um, and, I, and I, who knows what this person was trying to protect him from? Did they, this person know that this was needed from him? Then why was he hidden already at that point? That's I think in a way, really by I know by having him on Coruscant, it's kind of like an easy like out in a way to connect him to like the main story or whatever. But yeah. like I think that gives some more understanding to why Moff Gideon understands about him. Like, I even, Molly and I were talking about, like, characters, like, that could be in the show, because, like, it seems like that's where Mandalorian's gonna going right now, and <laughs> we'll get to that later. But, like, we were talking about the fact that, like, someone like Jocasta knew, even though she's dead now, because she mm-hmm. didn't have, like, knowledge of, like, all the Jedi yeah. stuff. And it's, like, by him being on Coruscant, that it kind of explains how there is understanding of his presence, I guess. I mean, I guess it's kind of, base level yeah. in that way, but like I think yeah, that I does guess. explain that in a way I guess <laughs> yeah I I can see that because we like and, we have yet to see like an, someone like an inquisitor like I was saying so yeah. other than that if he was in hiding it would be like difficult for them to unless like, Moff Gideon was an inquisitor of some sort exactly like but we don't Which, know so. yeah that's <laughs> a, I mean a, I mean for him to wield the the dark saber that's I mean, Sabine did it for a time, so yeah. who knows? Who yeah, knows? <laughs> for for a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I I just I wonder who that person is, and I'm yeah. you know we have the the Obi Wan series coming out, and I wonder, I wonder, Allie, this was my big thing. Oh my god, these are all connected. Wait, what? <laughs> what? It's all connected. What if it was Obi-Wan? What if Obi-Wan in his series has to do with Baby Yoda <gasps> and him and part of that? Oh, my God. Yeah. No, thinking on that level, I, oh, my. Yes. God. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my God. And, and also, here's the next part. Okay. Also, okay. Cassian could, too, if you think about it. Yeah, that could be part of like the. No, I was just thinking about the two because it's one could tie in. Yes, both of them can. Oh my god! Yeah, we can see Baby Yoda through like the generations. And I guess I I don't know why, but I really think that this is going to happen. I want to look up honestly, and this makes me want to look up Obi Wan's speech in Rebels again in like that first episode. Yeah, because I think that could have an extra layer to it now that if that's the case. Because if Obi-Wan was trying, like, to preserve, like, the yep. future generation think- or whatever, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, I lo- oh, my God, that's so interesting. Oh, my God, my brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, before we press record, Maria literally is like, Allie, there's this thing I'm putting, like, five stars next to it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, when I, when I rewatched the episode and I, I saw them and I sat down and I thought about it, and I, I, I mean, like, because I've talked to you about this before in depth of who was the person that put Baby Yoda with the pirates? Who yeah. was this person? Why did they do it? 
Mm-hmm. You're obviously there to protect baby Yoda. What is the impetus behind that? Mm-hmm. And, and who, I mean, obviously the most important question is who is it? <laughs> I'm wondering, I'm really wondering if the Obi-Wan series has a lot to do with baby Yoda. Mm. Yeah. So I want to talk a bit more now, now that we're talking about Ahsoka and, okay, so now we'll finally say his name. His name is Grogu. I don't. What do you feel about Grogu? It makes me laugh every time I hear it. Like, still, like everyone knows it was making me laugh the night of, but it still makes me laugh every time. Like, I was watching my dad the other day, and I was like, I can't keep a straight face every time they say. I knew that his name was going to be something like this. I I told you this when when we had our our discussion. Yeah, you literally were like, I knew his name was going to start with a G. I I was like, what now? I, I. I wish I had put my tweet out there and I didn't just because I didn't want anyone to like make fun of me for saying it. But I, now I wish I had because it, I think it was something like Gronk or it was something, it was really close. And I was just, yeah, I, I knew it was going to be something so, yeah. It was so funny. So my dad, after but what we name it, could we were like, okay? <laughs> so my dad after we talked about it um when we were talking about the episode he we were talking about the fact that like the name is a bit ridiculous you know it's just a bit weird um, my dad actually kind of agreed with me on that level he was like okay that name's a bit strange but we were like thinking about how um like because like yoda and yaddle both start with y and he was like we were trying to like think of names that like could start with y by like mashing together letters from grogu and then my dad all of a sudden just said yogurt and then we burst out in laughing because he falls and we were like oh my god well, that's what everyone's calling him is Gogurt. Gogurt, oh my god! Yeah. Oh. That's that's what I was seeing on Twitter is Gogurt. Gogurt. His name is now Gogurt. Gogurt yeah. and Bob the Client. We we make the best names. I mean, I know everyone else has been calling him that, but I'm gonna take that as ours because we're probably the first podcast to acknowledge it. You know what? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's an interesting name choice for sure. Mm-hmm. So- I I'm okay with it i guess i i knew i i whatever name he's gonna be called it's gonna be weird to us yeah. <laughs> i want to talk a bit more about the inclusion of ahsoka because a big thing that has been passed around is the fact that on the level of ahsoka's inclusion it seems like you could have put any jedi in and it could have worked out the same way so what a lot of people saying like obviously you would lose the whole attachment thing with anakin which we'll get to but I've heard, seen a lot of people say you could add, like, any Jedi and it would be the same. So one thing, I think that the, I agree that the inclusion of Ahsoka, of any Jedi they could pick, was, an, it was a good choice mm-hmm. for reasons, which I'll, I'm about to get into. But I feel like they just didn't fully execute on those reasons. Like, they didn't fully utilize them in this episode is what my stance is on it currently. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So... Two of the major ones I wanted to bring up because a lot of people talked about like Bogotan and Din and Grogu and all this. And so I said that like Grogu and Ahsoka both experienced like leaving and distancing from the order and the force and like mm-hmm. both going through like trauma in that way where they go through these experiences that make them question their, like their abilities and hide them and make them sure. And I also said there was a ki- tie to Kanan in that way. I saw, I noticed that because I know we've been talking about Kanan and Ezra, but like the way that baby Yoda hides his abilities and the way that Din will either bring that out or hide him. It's just like, it's similar to Kanan and Ezra in a way. 
Um, and then I also noted in relation to that, Din and Bo um, were both separated from their society um, and the ways that, like, Din was brought into, like, by this cult and Bo-Katan went through all of these stages where she went, eventually, like, distanced herself from the society and, like, she went through, like, being a Death Watch and then when Maul came in, she, like, distanced herself from that because Maul was, like, an outsider. They've just both gone through a lot in terms of where they come from and I think all four of them do in a way. But I think, mm-hmm. like, the inclusion of those four characters is an interesting choice. I just feel like... And I could see where they were going with, like, the whole Anakin trauma, like, attachment thing. Like, we'll get to that. Like, I saw what they were doing with that, but I still feel like there were a lot of other ways. And obviously, it's only a 45-minute episode. There's only so much they can do. But I just feel like there was more they could have possibly done with Ahsoka to make her characterization not feel as off as it did for so many people. Yes. I I see why they, they did bring Ahsoka in. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't really have an issue other than yeah. the fact that there is the animation translation issue that I was <laughs> concerned about and still am concerned about. So I, I, I do understand why they chose her. However, I also don't understand why they wouldn't have chosen Luke because to me, logically speaking, he would have been the character I would have chosen for this because the empire has ended and the empire has ended. I'm doing air quotes, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The empire has ended and now we have the new Republic Mm -hmm. and things should be somewhat calm and at peace. So I would think Luke would be starting his school or at least be out there and promoting the Jedi way and saying, Hey, all it's cool to be a Jedi. If you are come find me type thing. So that way the Jedi could continue their learning and traditions, which we did learn that he did do. So that would be my logical assumption would be to have used Luke. Obviously this, there, there was a reason behind this because we have other stories that they're furthering, which is, we find out that he, we're still looking for Thrawn mm-hmm. and, and obviously we're looking for Ezra. So mm-hmm. was that a reason for that? I, I'm not sure. Because at the end, we're obviously sent to find another Jedi. Hopefully. So, on that point, so people think we're going, a lot of people now are thinking we're going to get Luke at some point. Mm-hmm. I think this is what I was saying. I feel like they utilize Ahsoka in a way. I could, like, see where they were going, but I just don't feel like they fully did it, and I feel like her characterization, like a lot of people are arguing, was off in many cases. So, so, so Ahsoka has this role in this episode where it comes, the whole attachment things comes mm-hmm. into play. And this has been, I think, a big point of division on people's perspectives for this episode. Mm-hmm. And this was another point where my dad really gave me some extra, in our discussion, he gave me some extra perspective because I think, especially for Clone Wars fans, they can easily, I don't know how Clone Wars fans are not, like, who haven't seen Rebels is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I feel like Clone Wars fans who haven't seen Rebels would be a lot more upset right now than I feel like they are because of the fact that without, like we were talking about earlier, without that context that Rebels gives us to where Ahsoka is and, like, what she's experienced, mm-hmm. it's harder to understand why she's acting this way. 
And I think I've, I've actually honestly heard some clones fans who haven't seen rebels say that. And I think even rebels fans are upset for the fact that, like I was saying before, I think having the lack of this time period in between to see Ahsoka processing yes. what happened in Rebels yeah. is putting us in this place where it's oh, absolutely really awkward. And yes. my dad was like, my dad was like, oh, but this gives more chance for future stories, like you were saying with like Thrawn and stuff. Like we, this is expanding the universe for stories with Ahsoka in the future. But I, my whole thing was like, without it, it makes this episode currently feel off. Mm-hmm. And even though obviously, like I still understand, like yes she found out that like vader's anakin and it's a big weight on her shoulders it's a big traumatic thing obviously she's not going to want to send baby yoda down that path but because we only got like that one interaction in rebels and we don't quite know what's happened to ahsoka since then it makes it feel off to the point where even though i know that's a thing and i know that would be hard for her it still felt off yeah i agree I don't know, what do you think about the whole attachments well, I, I, I know you, I said, you said a lot about before. it the other day, so I, I want to see what you're feeling. Well, I, I felt it was off on many levels, the attachment thing, because uh, Ahsoka said she doesn't want to train Baby Yoda because of his attachment to Din. And on twofold, I, I don't understand her rationale on this because she had a close attachment to Anakin and there, there was no issue there. The, the only issue she's saying is, and, and her fear is what baby Yoda would possibly turn into. But we, she had just left Ezra and Kanan and they had an even closer attachment, in my opinion, than baby Yoda and Din. They had more time and both were Jedi. And yeah. Din's not even a Jedi. So I don't, he wouldn't ever take the role of master. To me, that's like beyond confusing because he's not going to be Baby Yoda's master. He, he would be somebody, somebody else would be Baby Yoda's master. Uh, I, I, I'm not understanding why she wouldn't be able to maintain and want to maintain his relationship with Din and also create a teacher relationship with somebody else possibly her or another jedi i that's where i'm confused and on top of that ahsoka has history in saving for sensitive children Mm -hmm. both in the clone wars and in rebels so for her to not try and assist baby yoda and the times that I, i think mando asked like three times for her help and basically begs her to help teach baby yoda it it breaks my heart because that's not who she was in either of those episodes and again i understand people change and characters grow and things have happened Mm -hmm. i i understand that and obviously we're going to get this story but that's not the ahsoka we left and that's where i'm confused and it doesn't make sense if they wanted us to believe this and it should be exactly what you said Allie. we should have that backstory prior to so that way i'm not sitting here scratching my head and saying ahsoka would never have left a kid like that and especially to go search for thrawn so this was the biggest thing that my dad gave me some extra perspective on so when we were talking about the episode, I brought up all the things you just brought up because obviously like we talked that earlier that day. Mm-hmm. 
and stuff. So he brought up the fact that all of this was before Twilight of the Apprentice. Like he's like, I know this stuff before the with like the Force Sensitive Children happened, but that was before. I know yeah. she she saw Kane and Ezra's attachment, but that was before. And that like he even brought up like the speech that like Ezra she gives Ezra is after Twilight of the Apprentice, and after. like it's like I was yeah. saying like even though that stuff happened before that episode, even though after that episode, she clearly had that sign of having that change. Like I was saying, it still feels off because of the lack of Mm -hmm. time to process that we've had, I feel Mm -hmm. like. Well, and we don't, and we don't have that information to process what she went through. So Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't know the extent if, if she has gone through something that traumatic to have changed her in that short amount of time, it would have to be something really traumatic. Now, you and I had talked about it right before the episode we recorded, but to me, I would think Ahsoka would be at more peace because she knows that Anakin came back because this is after Return of the Jedi. She knows Anakin, he came back. It wasn't Vader that died. Anakin came back and redeemed himself. So I would think when he became Anakin again, when Vader became Anakin again, Ahsoka would have felt it just like she felt him in Rebels. She, the moment she did feel Anakin, we saw that. So she connected with it. So I would think that she would have and she would be happy that Anakin came back. I mean, heck, she could talk to Anakin as a force ghost if she really wanted to. Mm-hmm. And also, it's like in Rebels, the only thing we really get from her is, I can't save my master and you can't save mine. Mm-hmm. And like you were just saying, she knows up until this point, assumedly, <laughs> assumedly yes. that she knows that Anakin is like redeemed. And so the only thing I can think of, like I was saying, the only things I can think of are A, obviously like the timeline, like I was saying, and then B... I know that trauma takes a while to process and obviously she doesn't want to be responsible for that. And I think it's also because she herself probably still is processing her own responsibility to Anakin's fall in the first place. Cause I know she's still like, even in rebels, she's like, I won't leave you. Not this time. That's still a weight on her. And I, every time I talk about the rebel series, I talked about That's a big true. thing that Ezra, I mean, not Ezra, that Sabine and Ahsoka both had the process was feeling some level of responsibility. Sabine on the level of, like, feeling like she didn't search for Ezra sooner or didn't understand Ezra's, like, leaving sooner or, like, blah, 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 any other responsibility. And then, like, Ahsoka, the fact that, like, she's still probably it's dealing with some of that. And obviously, in that moment, she doesn't leave him. She stays. But I feel like beyond that scope, as someone who's dealt with a lot of crap before with certain things, I feel like there's still that weight that you can carry on your shoulders. And in a, in a counter argument to that, you could argue that in leaving Baby Yoda, that's a counter to that narrative because you would think leaving him leaves him vulnerable to that. But maybe it's just like a bounce in that way. I, like one I guess I guess I look at trauma differently uh, because I look at it as something you grow from and strengthen from, and not something that, especially Ahsoka, she's not one to wither. No, no, she's no. To I'm grow. not saying. I'm, I'm saying it's that lack of content we were getting in that period of time because we don't yet have like that period of content in between these two events it causes that reasoning to snap into my brain because i don't yet have content that shows oh, okay. processing what happened 
if I see like Ahsoka and Sabine process that, then obviously I'm going to be like, this is really off because we've seen Ahsoka do all this processing and talk to Sabine. And she's obviously more in a place of peace with this. But because we haven't gotten that, I still can think on that level where she could still possibly have that fear mm-hmm. and i think on a level that's what if we were getting more ahsoka and she wasn't going off to see thrawn i would say that would be something she could overcome with baby yoda just like i was saying din and bo could come over the mandalore stuff ahsoka and grogu could come over that he that level of fear they have and mm-hmm. letting the past go in that way i guess and overcoming that fear is what i'm saying Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that's my rationale for now. And that's yeah, what no, I'm no, I understand. Yeah. They can like utilize in the future with her story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what will, will be a difficult thing with going backwards now. Like we've yeah. been this up until this episode. It's a hard going part to be about hard. going backwards now will because of this, we have to go backwards. <laughs> so yes. I don't know. <laughs> it's going it's gonna be really hard. And it's going to be really hard because especially of her speech in a world between worlds and rebels. Yeah. That for me, that's going to be the hardest thing because she, as a viewer, as a, mm-hmm. a fan of rebels, I I'm, I'm sad that we have her not growing as, as she was at that point and learning that she could let that go just like the advice she gave to Ezra and take that to heart. And instead she's regressing and in order for that to happen, you would need something super, super traumatic. But mm-hmm. I, what, what that would be, we have Anakin being redeemed. So mm-hmm. I, I'm confused. No, it's like the, it's like a lot of my, I've been talking about my friends when I was like worried about where Sabine is. I'm like, Oh, they're separated. I'm like, then what made them separate? Like that makes me yeah. worried. I'm like something really bad is going to happen. I'm feeling like, cause that's the only path I see at this point. But, but what could be worse? We exactly know. I know you said that the other day, like what could be like, worse? what could be worse? We have, we have Anakin coming back. We have all of these things that are, we have the end of the empire. These are all positive things. So and her, I feel like her, this would be more. I feel like this would be more understandable if we knew that Ahsoka had some understanding of what's happening right now beyond yes. her mission, and by, by beyond by that, yeah. and with yes. with Gideon, yes, what's happening with like everything else, Vader, what happened with Vader, Luke, yes. If yeah. we, if she had, if we knew where she was at in all of that, then yes. Because then, obviously, she has perspective on what's happening. She sees that the galaxy is tearing itself apart again. But we don't know where she is at this point. We only know she's looking for Thrawn, and that's all we've gotten. So we're kind of at this place where we don't quite know where to go. So it also feels disconnected. Because, again, like, she has the the priority she's she's had in in her life had been to save, like, the Force-sensitive children with Anakin. Uh, and then, then she's going to curtail that to go look for Thrawn. That seemed really out of character and for like, her. This is like, why really people, out of character. No, this right is why there. some people have said that she's, I mean, not that she's, either Sabine and her or Sabine herself has found Ezra already. Because she was the one. I know Ezra also puts yeah, that weight on that, Sabine. that can older, make sense. But she was the one who specifically said, I will find you. When yes. I get back, so. But then, but it was what does that was all about Thrawn? Have, <laughs> like, that's again, but it's still, even though it, it, that could be the case for sure, that is an absolute possibility. 
but if that were the case still, why would she focus on Thrawn and not assisting Baby Yoda? Yeah. At least taking them to Typhon. Is it Typhon? To, find, so. <laughs> to find the temple and a, possibly another Jedi. I, yeah. I would think she would do that. Because if, if she said... I thought it was going to be Ezra. I don't know why Ezra would be in charge of this, like, schmuckery, but, like, I assumed it would have been Ezra, if anyone, because of the fact that, A, she said she'd find him, and, B, I would understand her extra drive to be focused on that yeah. because yeah. of that weight it has on her and how she has that responsibility, in a way. Like, well, I would I, understand Because that he did save her, and so yeah. she needs to save him. I th- and I think that's the thing in her mind. So unless, like, Ezra put on her shoulders, go find Thrawn, or, like, we're not friends anymore, so... <laughs> no, but, but Ezra... See, the thing is, again, Ezra would, would have said to her, and she would know this, Ezra would have said, stop, help the baby. <laughs> so this, this change in, in trajectory from where we are in Rebels to here, it's hard in themes. Because, again, this is something that I don't feel like the characters and the, the themes that we had, the precepts we had in Rebels are being not like undermined, but they're being reversed. Mm-hmm. And this is why I keep like saying these like what if kind of things because I'm yeah. still kind of in that middle. Like a lot of people know lately I've been in this place where with this show where I'm like, I have all these criticisms, but I'm hopeful that Star Wars is finding a trajectory where they can like explain all of this in a way I guess I could say I don't know but that's why I keep like saying maybe in the future we could see something that explains on that level why like this trauma is affecting her so much or something I'm interested to see what they do in the future but I think at this point it's honestly all speculation because like they haven't really fully given us much more to work off of and I wanted to bring up another point that I, I said to you before is that I feel like Ahsoka is so similar to master yoda in empire strikes back that it just it's so hard for me because she's she's so closed off and Mm -hmm. so judgmental just as master yoda was and i think that was like the hardest thing for people to digest especially people who love this character so light and lighthearted and there are like such major ahsoka fans who were so hurt by this episode like Mm -hmm. insane like i know people who like Ahsoka saved them in their lives in many ways. Like, there's yeah. people who are very, very attached to this character who were, like, very hurt. And it took them a long time to process. Like, like I even just, um, my friend Hope, she, like, literally wrote another article where mm-hmm. she's, like, it took me a long time to, like, process and get to a point where I can at least, like, be okay on some level with, like, consi- like, so, like I said, considering possible reasons why they did what they did but on the level itself it still felt off and it was difficult oh, for yeah. the fans to digest and I, I think they did it in a way on purpose to, yeah. to have that, that parallel between Ahsoka and Master Yoda and the uh, her being a human and making well not a human obviously because she's <laughs> oh, <a human>. yeah. <laughs> but I mean like she's she's not perfect that's yeah. what I'm trying to say yeah um and neither was Master Yoda and Master Yoda admits that later on in The Last Jedi that he had failed in The Last Jedi Master Yoda explained to Luke how he yeah. failed and that how failure is a teacher and that he had to learn that too and that Luke has to learn that I think that this is Ahsoka's going through that mm-hmm. same thing. And I think that that's what we're seeing. It's just 
Ahsoka had been so introspective prior to this to not be at this point. That's, that's the thing. She had those lessons under her belt already. That's where it's an issue. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people saying this as well. Like, the three of them are similar in this way. And, like, obviously, like you were saying, there is that, like, understanding. But, like, I feel like the difference with Ahsoka in comparison to, like, Luke and Yoda was, in their cases, like you were saying, there was, like, a lot more of a, I don't know if it's, like, like, a concrete, like, like, a lot of people were comparing Ahsoka and, like, Luke's, because, like, a lot of people are like, oh, look, the people who defended Luke's actions in The Last Jedi are now saying Ahsoka's, like, bad for this. And I'm like... I feel like it's because with Ahsoka, we just didn't get that same, like, level of, like I was saying, that period of time we're missing. We don't have that same level of why she is at this point in this point of time. Whereas in The Last Jedi, obviously, Luke gives us all of this context to why he feels he failed. Like, yes. Like I said, I know Ahsoka had this experience, but we've had, like Maria was saying, we've had all this time, and obviously she probably understands Anakin's redeemed, so I feel like there's still a level to which we don't understand quite why she's still at this place she is right now. If, if she, because she's regressed from where she yeah. was. Yeah, and, and, and for I'm her saying to that regress, like, I don't know if there's takes... more to it. I don't yeah. honestly know at this point if it's because she regressed or because there's more that we're gonna, Dave's going to tell us in the future. Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking she's regressed. <laughs> I, I just... For someone to regress, you need a a, a motivation for them. That's to what regress. I'm saying. Like we and, don't know if they're going to give her one, and if they don't, then obviously this is a major like flaw in the writing of this episode. But even still, what <laughs> what could it be that has not already happened to Ahsoka to make her regress like that? I. I just don't know. And that's where I have issue. Yeah. That's where my issue is because we, we don't have enough time and already from what we've understood from things from the sequel trilogy and the series that we have and the books that we have that nothing in this necessarily has occurred for her to be at that stage. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. And I think it's You're a lot easier. Right. To- we could have something yeah. further, but I, I just don't know what. No, I also think it's a lot easier. I don't want to, obviously, I haven't gone through like a ton of trauma or like whatever in my life. So obviously I don't have an understanding of this subject as well as people who've had very traumatic experiences do. But I feel like it's easier for her to, like you said, process, especially with Anakin changing. I think it's easier for her to process that. Whereas with Luke, this is an event that it's happened and it's still having consequences for the galaxy at large. Whereas hers is more of a theoretical I could possibly cause this to happen if I train him when I like you were saying yeah it is the way she teaches Ezra in that episode I feel like she has that level of understanding where she can give that level of yes you have this attachment like Ezra yes but I know how to teach you to let that go and to process that yes so yeah I don't know (laughs) Who knows? <laughs> she could she could have even said, I had a, a friend, another Jedi, and and discussed that, you know, and even and even discussed hers and used those those instances as a teaching tool, a stepping stone mm-hmm. for Baby Yoda and Mando and said, Okay, here are some mistakes that we made as Jedi, and let's not repeat that. And yet here she is repeating that same mistake. And she was so mindful of it prior to. It just, I don't, it's hard for me. 
Yeah, there's so much we could like break this down. Like, like I've been saying so at the beginning of this episode to our listeners, this episode has been very divisive. There's been a lot of discussion around why the choices were made, like why they were made and stuff. But like, obviously, as we're saying that a lot of it's speculation right now and a lot of it's just hurt feelings. So I feel like there's a place, it depends on honestly where Star Wars goes in the future to where we can determine exactly where we feel like i said i said in the beginning of this episode i'm still not quite sure exactly how i fully feel about aspects of this episode but i i don't know i'm hopeful i I still have that hope to a level i think star wars can like stretch that out i'm hoping but i'm not quite sure like i was saying there is signs that this is still a character regression even if they gave us something in the future so i I still think it's upsetting yeah it is yeah and and I, I don't think that it's something that's going to be easily explained. And I yeah. think that it's not going to be given the service that it deserves. Yeah. If she, if she did regress. And I also want to say here, too, because a big thing that really led to my breakdown on Friday was I know there's been a lot of people saying Ahsoka is Dave Filoni's character. Dave Filoni knows her the best. So obviously if Dave Filoni takes her in a direction, it's the right, it's like the right thing to yeah. do. But I want to say here, even though like Ahsoka is like Dave Filoni's character, that still makes her open and the choices he makes open to criticism. Absolutely. Because of the content we've seen and because of like what we will possibly see in the future. And in general, a character, obviously a creator drives the direction of a character, but a character is also open to being related to by other people, being understood by other people, and a character on its own can fluctuate and change on its own outside of, like, the actions of a creator. Like, there are multiple creators on the show. Like, yes, Dave directed this episode, but obviously Rosario brought her own acting to it. We don't know how much she, like, studied Ashley's acting or whatever, Like, but, like, people bring their own perspectives and understandings of a character to the forefront, and she's still open to criticism. And the choices that were made are still open to criticism, no matter how involved he was in it. I don't and, know what And I'm also there are, are other writers that have written Ahsoka besides yeah, Dave. Exactly. So it's not just Dave that it's wrote not- for Ahsoka in the Clone Wars or in Rebels. And I know a lot of people said that, that certain creators can do no wrong. <laughs> and oh, I would boy. just like to say that that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is capable of making mistakes and having flaws. Like obviously Dave are all fallible. learning how to direct live action as everyone's been saying. Yes. And, and I mean, gosh, like these are, these are our own opinions. They are not a hundred percent right, obviously, because they are opinions. However, we try and provide facts to support it. Mm-hmm. And to say that any person can do no wrong just because they are a part of a certain franchise is not okay in my book because then that gives them carte blanche to do whatever and that shouldn't be the case in any franchise all characters should be respected and protected and and love should be attached to it not just blind following it's like when i say I believe Dave Filoni is stronger in animation. That doesn't mean I don't think he's capable of growing and making new realizations and growing as a director of live action. I'm not saying he's incapable of doing that. And as we've been saying each episode, we're not trying to cancel the show or cancel the directors or cancel Baby Yoda. We're not trying to cancel. It's not cancel culture. It's criticism Mm -mm. of the content we're getting. Yes. And I, I, like I was just saying, I feel like he is capable of growing and learning and, 
maybe he's just better suited for animation but obviously that's up to opinion and up to perspective so Mm -hmm. i don't know (laughs) i agree and and i think that goes for any series any art that's created whether whatever medium it is it is up for interpretation and it's up for people to dissect in whatever means that they do the person that creates it whether they listen to people's critiques or not that is up to them as well and there's nothing wrong with that in either direction that they choose and whatever interaction they choose also from there whether they want to delve into the critiques or whether they want to just strictly live in their the world that they've created and that either is fine that's totally okay i mean even my my brother said that the other day he watches the show strictly for like enjoyment on like that that like you were saying that general basis yes obviously people can't find enjoyment on that basis but as dedicated and caring and like analysis filled people we are we're gonna look a bit more closely at what we get and stuff like that and question (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with questioning things that you love because you want to make it better and that that's our perspective is Mm -hmm. there's always a way to make it better it's not to be mean it's to help and and that's why Maria and I like when we've been having the, all the discussions we've been having lately on the podcast we're always saying it's because like we are worried for Star Wars. Yes. We're not just saying oh Star Wars is doing terrible blah, blah 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 blah. We're we're saying we're worried for it because we want to see it succeed. We want to see it, the creatives make choices that are good for their characters in the story. But like while we are critiquing it that's us being worried that they aren't and that there's a they're going in a direction that could be harmful to the show and the characters so yes especially because this specific episode felt like it opened up so many Mm -hmm. we had a a a solid plot of looking for the jedi and now we have so many now subplots yeah and we are losing sight of what our initial project or aspect or theme was which was to get baby yoda to a jedi and now we have all these other things that are going on here that aren't addressing the issue and aren't furthering our characters forward either yeah so how does thrawn push baby yoda (laughs) or mando's character forward it doesn't yeah it it pushes other characters forward other characters we don't need yep their show belongs somewhere else. Yeah. And yeah, well, therefore, that is the respect to the character of yeah. focusing on Mando and his growth and Baby Yoda and his growth. Yeah, we'll get to this when we talk more about the end of the episode. But we've been very critical. So one thing I did love about the scene, though, um, was how, like I was saying earlier about the ball and the how that was the thing in the training sequence that really like got him to take the action and didn't taking action with it too it really i like we were talking about last episode i love seeing those relational bonds mm-hmm. the relationship bond with them it, and it was good to see them connect that way i wish yeah. i wish it was turned around and you and i had discussed this before i wish that had been turned around and ahsoka could have said to him at the end of the episode when she did say that she wasn't going to train baby yoda yeah. to say to to din to continue that you can continue the training just as we had before, since you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so Ahsoka and Mando 
band together mm-hmm. because Mando is trying desperately to get Ahsoka to, <laughs> to teach Baby Yoda. So he's like, heck, I'll throw in here and I'm going to join you. Let's take this magistrate and her guards down and let's help these people if you will help teach Baby Yoda. So they decide to go do that and they basically take out all the bad guys because <laughs> No one's going to see a Mando and a Jedi coming. Okay, as soon as he said that line, I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> All the time, and no one did see them coming. Yeah, I know, but I was still like, come on. It made me sad. I was like, Ezra and Sabine, I just couldn't stop thinking about them this during this episode. I'm like, where are they? I want them to be safe. No. <laughs> but yeah, um, and then like I was saying earlier, as much as I feel like there could have been more stakes to this whole sequence if we'd, like, seen the town more, like I was saying with that whole thing, I still enjoyed the action itself. Like, it was still a lot of fun. Like, I loved seeing the, like, like I said, I loved seeing the utilization of, like, the Beskar against, like, the lightsabers, and I thought it was mm-hmm. very interesting, uh, especially the noise. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, the, that was such a distinct sound of the... Yeah. They were hitting the Beskar when they were, um, when the magistrates and Ahsoka were fighting. That was amazing. Yes. So, like, I love the action itself. It's oh, just... the action was amazing. Yeah. There's no <laughs> criticism on the action or Ahsoka taking out the bad guys or Din <laughs> taking out the bad guys or the standoff between Din and the head guard. That was amazing. Yeah. I loved. Yeah. I loved the tension there during the entire scene. Yeah. Right. And the tension between Ahsoka and the magistrate at the same time. Yeah. And there's kind of like a parallel of tension in a way because yeah. like the standoff obviously with like Din and yeah, the, whatever he's at the same called time. and Ahsoka and the magistrate. And I also thought because I obviously we don't know a ton. I know there's two things here. Apparently some people have said Morgan might be from Carlac because like obviously Carlac is the place that gets like attacked by like death watch or whatever mm-hmm. in that one episode and that because we learned about morgan and apparently her people were like enslaved and that's what like she survived and that's what fueled her rage and stuff so that is apparently a factor and then if that's not even a thing because we know ahsoka was on Carlac, but if that's not mm-hmm. even a thing in itself morgan acknowledges the war between the jedi and the mandalorians so obviously yeah. she has a level of understanding that makes that extra level to this like conflict i think yes yeah. that's true and <laughs> i would like to add that she her story perfectly mimics governor price's story so Ooh, we'll just yes right yes yes i mean it's exact <laughs> and, and 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 in the fact that she worked with thrawn that's my my yeah. other rationale in bringing that up because governor price was exactly the same it, not a fighter though <laughs> she wouldn't have fought ahsoka at all though yeah. she did she did put up a fight with kanan and hera at the end so she was she was effective like certain fight scenes like like we were talking about last uh, god what was the the whole fight oh oh with um vader and um with vader and ray we were talking about that whole thing and, and when oh. this fight was happening my dad's like how is ahsoka not like destroying her because like even like when she drops the lightsaber yeah. i just thought it was so weird that my dad all of a sudden was on that because usually he's like the opposite where he's like how it's like i don't know yeah, I, I was expecting her to dominate i mean as in ahsoka to dominate yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, 
I, I mean, I guess it adds tension, but I yeah. just thought it was surprising. I mean, my dad's literally the first thing he's like, well, she, hopefully she's force sensitive. <laughs> well, she was trained by Thrawn and Thrawn yeah, is an yeah. exceedingly good fighter. So, and we saw yeah. that in Rebels and obviously in all the, the novels. So we know that he's a fighter and he teaches whomever works under him. Though we don't hear her in the novels or in the show. Yeah, but that's like... <laughs> okay. I just didn't, I didn't think about that one till now. And I'm, I, I mean, if anyone knows me on Twitter, they know I'm a big Thrawn yeah, fan. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just, right now that just, that thought just dawned on me and Thrawn is so attention to detail. So for us to not have heard her and to know him as well as we do, this is just going to be a Maybe Thrawn, do, so you think Thrawn knew her before? Had to, have. Okay. Because had at to some have. point- because some people could rationale i'm not def- i'm not saying this is my rationale but like some people could be like oh they just met up when thrawn was taken away by the space whales no. or whatever i don't know no like thrawn would not have been able to like train her long tra- take over or whatever no. at that point become their master or whatever i'd think yeah and also i i do have to to discuss really quick the mm-hmm. the change because a lot of people do feel this with thrawn and rebels to thrawn in the novels Thrawn in the novels to me isn't as bad of a character <laughs> as a bad guy. Like he's not yeah, 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 yeah. as he is in Rebels. And obviously right now he's being portrayed as this horrible person that's teaching his followers to enslave and destroy planets where the Thrawn in the novels probably wouldn't have done that. Not probably. He wouldn't have done that. And he would have attempted to try and probably save the planet for its resources yeah harvest it in a sustainable way so i just i have to put that out there because there is a conflict with his character between the novels and what we see in animation or live action yeah and let's get into thrawn a bit more so obviously like we brought this up on the call i think the fact that you would think with Ezra's exposure, oh, Thrawn yes. would be at a different place. Oh, absolutely. That, and that especially was... because I find it's interesting that Thrawn is, like, helping control this, like, very crumbling society, seemingly. Like, obviously, the planet seems destroyed, but, like, even the v- few glimpses that we get of the society itself seems like it's a very... I don't know what the right word is, society. And then, like, I was just saying, like, the stuff with Ezra, of course. Like, you would think Thrawn would be at, like, a different place. I That's my... When they took off, with the purgle yeah i i had assumed that they were going to have some time together on on a planet for i don't know like i (laughs) however much time they would need i don't know to find find someone whatever it might be Um, they're injured i who knows yeah but they would have time together just like i would i would consider it similar to callus and zeb yeah and and it would be like that they would have that moment and and Thrawn would say, oh, you know what? I, I need to explain my story and where I'm at. And then Ezra would get to explain himself further. And then they would work together. Yeah. So, and then Thrawn's an ally. So that was where my assumption was, was we were going to come back from that moment when we got the Searching for Ezra series that we would see Thrawn on our side. Yeah. (laughs) Or or working with his people, 
like staying over back, back with the chiss, but on our side. Yeah. So that's why that's I found where it strange. I thought. That's so that's why I found it strange that he's like behind controlling the society in yeah. a very like dictatorship kind of way where he's not a dictator. Yeah, because like the magistrate like lives in this like lush environment, whereas like yeah. everyone else is like being tortured and everything. And I'm like, Thrawn? Also what not a torturer. <laughs> I I will like see. since when is Thrawn like I don't even know. You know what? Yeah. So when I heard Thrawn's name that night I watched it, I freaked out. And then I thought on it and I'm like, oh God, are they going to try to like finish the Rebel sequel in this show? Because that's been one of my big worries. This well, like I think a lot of people time. feel like it was an announcement for yeah, no, no, no. another think, live action. Yeah, no, 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 I don't want it to be live action. Let's get into well, that. Well, like, I think, I think I, it might be. Yeah, because I, I think... I, I, that was because a lot of people immediately were like live action thrown live action thrown like, i was like okay so yeah this is cool to hear his name because we know i like that they were still acknowledging because they know kind of like where ahsoka is at this point still like because she's obviously like leaning through Thrawn. so i appreciate that and i also just appreciate that being acknowledged at all because like we haven't gotten any news of the rebel sequel and we like you were saying earlier i think the mandalorian deserves its own we've been saying this honestly every episode <laughs> the mandalorian deserves its own show where its characters are at the forefront yes. And just as and the, the Rebels, Rebels deserve, yes. deserve their own show as well. Yeah. I know you just said it's, you think it's going to be live action. I pray it's animated. Honestly, well, I if do it's too. live action, I don't think I can watch it. I, I don't I, think I can. I, I after, after The Mandalorian, if this is a live action series, I won't watch it. I don't think I can. It, it, like, yeah. I, ugh, no, I don't know. It, that's because I, re- I remember somebody posted that the other day and like literally everyone in the comments is like my biggest fear right now yeah. is that that's going to be the case. Like yes. everyone doesn't want, well, not, I'm not, not going to speak for everyone. Not, yeah, not people everyone, who want it, obviously, but like, we should say our, the majority of yeah. our mutuals yeah. do not, do not want, want to it. see that. They want it because- animated because like, that's just, that's where like the heart of these characters are. That's where like the storytelling was working. Uh, the detail, the detail, the like character growth. Yeah, and like yeah. it also relates to what I said earlier. I feel like Dave Filoni's strength is animation. Like obviously, the first episode of the Mandalorian, yes. which Dave also directed, was really good. So we know it's he's amazing. capable of doing good yes. things. But I still feel his strength is animation. I still feel that way. Yes, so, I agree too. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna cross our fingers and hope. Cross our fingers. Said, like I said to you on Twitter, we have to have hope for the future yeah yeah that's been my big thing lately like that's why it's becoming harder and harder because i i keep trying to have these like criticisms while also having hope because i want i I don't want star wars to fall into this trap where like maria and i've been fearing for a while now that it's just going to become all live action trying to explain stuff and as soon as it explains stuff it's just going to be more live action away from like in in this in a bubble they can control like Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm hopeful still yes. please star wars we have hope for the future please. we'll see we'll see what happens on typhon i like the fact though like even though there's still controversy around this like but i like i one critique and one thing i like critique i continue to feel like they're bringing in too many plot points and they still don't know quite where they're going with this show and they're just bringing too much in to the point where i don't feel like they're going to be able to touch on everything effectively at this point mm-hmm. And then my, my thing I did like, I liked that Ahsoka made it where it will be Baby Yoda's choice. Yes, Yoda I did like that. Choose his path. I liked that. 
It wasn't like, go there and go train with a different Jedi. It wasn't just that. If she said that, I'd be like, no. <laughs> but like, at least she was like, let him choose his path. So yes. I like that. Yeah. That, that will be an interesting aspect. Yes. So we will see what happens in that episode. And if Baby Yoda decides to continue his path to be a Jedi, I guess. Yeah. And I think this is an interesting point, too. I was thinking about this the other day. Because a lot of people have been talking about how the big thing that Mandalorians need to go through is finding a balance and becoming unified. Because, like, that's been a big thing with, like, Bogotan. Bogotan's like, they want to divide us. Our enemy wants to divide us. And I think the same thing comes to the Jedi, in a way. Like, obviously, we know what happened with Luke's Academy. But I think in the way of, like, Baby Yoda's journey... And especially the way that Ahsoka was like, oh, he has to hide his abilities, blah, blah, blah. Like, and that whole conversation, I feel like there's growth that comes in that way of balance and unification and like all that. And then like, hopefully after Tross, things do go in a better direction for the Jedi. Like I know obviously the Mandalorian will probably, hopefully, with going in this Jedi path, I'm worried this isn't going to be the case, but hopefully in the Mandalorian, we see growth with the Mandalorian society in that direction. But I'm worried that like, with the Jedi stuff, it'll get overshadowed. But my hope is that happens in this show, and then in the future, the Jedi Order, it can, like, continue to go through that process of healing as well. I hope so. I I hope that whatever we see, like, Ryan Johnson's trilogy, I don't know when it takes place. I think it's supposed to be after. Yeah, but it's supposed to be very distant after. from where yeah, we yeah, are. But yeah. that that's what I hope to see. I hope yeah. that we, we do see that, that there is peace and that there... Like, obviously, well, it's called piece. Star Wars. Have have I know conflicts. there's going to be wars, yeah. but, like, we, ha- we have to have conflict. Conflict can be on, doesn't have to be on a war Exactly. Level. It doesn't have to be on a, on a galactic scale. Galactic scale. Yeah, <laughs> galactic scale. Wars can be smaller, and yes. conflict, war can define conflict as well. Yes. <laughs> conflict yeah. can, be, can be more of an emotional sense. I mean, there's so many different types of conflict you yes. can have. Yes. That doesn't have to be, like, you know, mass... Murder, or or widespread extinction, and things like that. Yeah, I also told Maria that when Din was with Baby Yoda, and he's like, "Okay, time to say goodbye." I was like, "A, wow, you're really just gonna dump him here after everything." And then B, I was literally drafting a tweet because I I talked about how Baby Yoda will probably be lost by like the end of the season in some way, shape, or form, and I'm like, "Are they already doing this?" Like, okay, I called it. (laughs) I'm like. They didn't do that, which I appreciated because it'd be kind of weird. Because as I was saying, it's from Din's perspective. So how would they have really done that, really, per se? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. But that scene was still really emotional. Like, I rewatched yeah. it. It's like, oh. <laughs> sad. Yeah, that was hard. It was sad. And then and I like the way... I like the way that Ahsoka seemed like kind of built oh. at the end again. Oh. I did. It was, it was so pretty. Or when she was fighting the magistrate, yeah. when, yeah. It, when she was walking up to her... And they, they ha- again, they tweaked her, her theme. I was just, oh, oh, so good. So good. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, just visually and the music, it just, oh, it was wonderful. Again, yes. th- th- that was on the surface level, but Yeah, man. see, this is what Maria and I keep saying. Boom. She loves a lot of stuff, but it was a, very, a lot of the more surface level kind of stuff, whereas yes. like, her story stuff made us and go, And there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yep, so. and there's nothing wrong with that. Yes. I, I like I said, I'm very much in this place where I still enjoy the episode as a whole, but mm-hmm. I still do have criticism. So 
yes <laughs> that's why i said i'm like i don't want to like i'm i'm I, I feel like my opinion on this episode will always be in that kind of space i don't think mm-hmm. i'm ever gonna be like and that's I okay good or i love this episode because i can't <laughs> like and maybe someday that will change maybe someday that will change exactly and that's and fun. it's your prerogative to whichever it goes to yep. we'll see I, I'm continuing to be hopeful for the future and yes. keep our fingers crossed that that series is animated because if it's not, I will cry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I need it. Oh, I boy. need it animated. I need it. I miss animation. Like I know we're getting, like Maria <sighs> and I also talked about this the other day. I know we're getting Bad Batch, but like I'm not as like into that per se. I like, am not. It doesn't really not want yeah. to speak to me at all, really. And <laughs> I, I need something deeper and I mean, we had resistance and that was fun. <laughs> I, I'm looking for something in the, that hits me yeah. emotionally like rebels and clone wars did on, on that level. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping we get that again <laughs> in some form of animation. We'll, we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Please Star Wars animation. Don't go away. Don't go away. <laughs> Please. We love you. We love you. Stay with us. That's where our heart is. It's where yeah. like, it oh. really is. Yeah. These shows, the animated series came into my life after I lost my mom. And yeah. then when I lost my dad and for me, they, they're so important to me and they hold a lot of meaning to me and their stories their characters do their growth and the lessons that I learned with these characters that helped me. And I would love to see that help other people too. Mm -hmm. Those stories reach people. That's where the heart is really Mm -hmm. not on the surface level, cool pew pew stuff, but that those deeper stories that people can really relate to and can run through their mind throughout the day that's what I was kind of saying earlier about why the criticism and stuff was like as divisive as it was because people who had criticism, it was like that important to them. They didn't just have criticism. We're not like the fandom menace where we're like tear apart Star Wars to no one. A lot of the criticism came because people love this character so much. And so when they had those feelings that were like negative they had to share them because it hurt them and it's hard for them to digest yes, something. Like exactly. That. And I, I'm not sharing my perspective on Twitter because I already made a stance that I wasn't going yeah. to discuss the Mandalorian on Twitter out of respect to my friends that are affected by Gina Carano and Rosario Dawson and transphobia. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm not discussing it and this is hard for me. We'll see. I, I, I hope that things find their way. And that's why I honestly appreciate so much that you became a host, not just because you're my friend and I love you and you're awesome, but I love you, Allie. You get, you have like a platform with me now where we can yes. like discuss this stuff together. And I appreciated that because that was the hardest part about being alone. I feel like, because like while I dissected Tross to no end and like why it hurt me and stuff on my own, I mm-hmm. didn't properly get a platform to like really discuss it with someone else. So I'm really glad that you're here now to <laughs> talk about this stuff with Yay, me. <laughs> I'm glad, and you know what? I'm glad that we could do it together, Allie, because it has been hard on you and it has been hard on me. And I'm glad that we could do that and support each other as friends. So thank you. Yes. 
Anyway, thank you all so much for listening, as always. You can follow me on Twitter at Ali underscore M underscore Andrews, and you can follow Maria on Twitter at Fair of the Galaxy. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Knights of Ren, on Instagram at Knights underscore of Ren, and Facebook at Knights of Ren. You can find the podcast on iTunes, podcast.com, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And other than that, thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you all come back next time to listen to us talk more Star Wars. Bye, take care, and please wear your mask and social distance. And please donate and or share. Yes, that will be in the episode notes below. Go do it now. Bye, guys. Thanks, you guys. Bye.